Hello and welcome to Worth in Progress. I'm Maria Grandi, personal power speaker and coach, and I'll be helping you get through the very real and raw process of personal development. Self-awareness is not always pleasant, so it's my intention to teach you to recognize your triggers, give you tools to guide you, and I'll share my personal stories of my own journey to find self-worth. Thank you so much for being here, and I always welcome your input. This is episode 19 of Worth in Progress. You can't fix people. I'm your host, Maria Grandi, and in this episode, we're going to talk about how it's a natural response to want to help people. We want everyone to be happy, and we want to fix their problems so they're no longer struggling. But what is it like when someone doesn't want your help? And when does helping everyone indicate a pattern of avoiding ourselves? We're going to talk about the savior complex, being tested when we have lessons to learn, and we're also going to talk about codependency. At the end of this, I'm going to respond to an email that I received after the people-pleasing episode. Welcome and thanks for listening. As I mentioned before, I was a huge people pleaser, but this is a little different. Like I had an incessant need to save people and I wanted to know where it came from. So if we want to get to the psychology of it and and what I studied anyway, it's called the savior complex. A person actually feels the need to save other people and they even seek other people out in order to help them. And the issue here is that they usually sacrifice their own needs for others. The attentions are pure most of the time, but it can mean that they're doing themselves a disservice by enabling others and usually depleting themselves of all of their energy. A bigger problem with saving people is that you can't force someone to take the responsibility for their actions and actually develop the motivation or their own motivation to change something. You cannot change people. As badly as we want to shake someone sometimes, you know, they can't see it when they're in it. So I helped people and I took it very personally when they didn't do anything to help themselves. I did all the work for them and then I stepped back and wondered why I was doing all the work. But I was the one enabling them. So I I needed to understand what drove me to do this. Like, why was I like this? And the reason that I needed to is because it was actually costing me something. I'm writing about this right now in my book. A lot of times people who have this need to fix or help enter the healthcare field in some capacity. They're drawn to people who need saving. So in a relationship, someone may be drawn to their partner in need of rescuing. It could be financial, drugs, medical issues, abusive relationships, depression, a wounded past. There's so many things that they could need rescuing from and they want to be their savior. And it usually works at first, but after a while you become powerless. And then many people that have this savior complex go from one person to another trying to fix them, never recognizing the pattern because they just see it as a noble behavior. So they make a life out of rescuing people and helping. And the real thing that we need to repair is our own damaged sense of self from our childhood. Thus, the need for inner child healing, which I've talked about many times. So I know for me that helping people felt like my purpose. And maybe it is, but not in the way that I was doing it. I didn't feel good about myself unless I was helping someone. And then, of course, I got burned out. I mean, in general, helping is positive, right? So you see nothing wrong with it. But there's a difference between helping and saving. And saving people is usually about you, not them. And some people focus on helping others because they're unable to manage their own struggles and they're avoiding unresolved traumas or difficulties that they had in their own past. I still help people all the time, 
but since I've done all my studying, I question my motives on a regular basis. If I'm going to make something about me, then I'm not in it for the right reason. And I was taught that by a very good spiritual coach and friend of mine. If I make it about me, I'm coming from the wrong place. So I set my boundaries now and I sure don't enable people. And I don't try to fix people that don't even ask for fixing, which we all do sometimes. Could you imagine if you're overweight and someone just comes up to you out of the blue on the street and asks if they can help you get in shape? It's really the same thing. I learned a few things about me and I learned to listen to people, not jump to act or fix. I always thought that I had to solve everyone's problems for them. I couldn't resist the urge to form a plan when someone came to me with something. Now I try to just listen and give advice when it's asked for. This is something that we often struggle with with our kids, even grown, trying to tell them what we think they should do instead of listening to where their intuition is leading them. It's a control thing, I guess. So again, I I give advice when someone asks for it. I don't assume that someone's asking for advice just because they came to me with something. Then I have to back off and not take it personally when they don't take my advice (laughs) because then I have an attitude if they ever want to ask for my advice again. You know what I'm talking about. You didn't listen the first time. Why are you coming back for more advice? Or you never listened to my advice, so why do you bother coming to me? (laughs) So sometimes now I just take a step back and I say, I'm here if you need me, if you need to bounce ideas off of me. Support doesn't mean control. I can only control my actions. We all know this, but damn if we aren't caught daily trying to control someone else. We're getting upset because someone else doesn't have the same value system as we do or same reaction to something as we do. Real support means that I'm giving them space to learn and grow from their own actions. That's parenting to me. I don't take over my kids' lives. I really believe that we're all here to learn lessons and that's how it happens. And it's hard, even with your children, it's hard. Even when our intention is to support, we wind up controlling and then none of us learn anything. So I just remember having to shut down for a while. I pulled away from everyone and I wanted to self-explore. That's why now I explore my feelings, my motives, so I'm sure that I'm not making something about me. One of the things that I learned about was codependency. I think I was floored when I finally came to understand it. It's a group of traits that we develop as a way to cope with childhood trauma. It can be because you come from a history of addiction, but also the traits can just be passed down from our parents. Most people speak of this when it comes to relationship struggles, but ultimately it represents our difficulties in loving, accepting, trusting, being our authentic selves. We're plagued by shame, guilt, feelings of inadequacy, which is obviously the reason that we constantly try to please others. We want to prove ourselves and seek validation. We base our happiness on what others are doing instead of what we are feeling and our own values. And this is why we can't be our authentic selves. Really, you should try to understand codependency. Go to Google, look it up, look up the traits that make up a codependent person and you're, you're seriously going to be knocked out by it. Here's just a few. Feel responsible for someone else's problems. Really already talked about that. Offering advice to others, whether it's asked for or not. 
once advice has been given to the person, the codependent person expects that advice to be followed. <laughs> I laugh at this because I live this. Not, not so much anymore, but I definitely live this. I would get so upset when I would give so much of my time to someone and help them and, you know, but it was about me, 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 me. I did. I helped them. I helped them. I helped them. And wait a minute. They didn't listen to what I said anyway. Then I'd have some type of attitude. And then again, another trait I feel used and underappreciated, playing the victim, using manipulation, shame, guilt. And we don't even realize that. Like I, I would never understand that I used manipulation to get what I wanted, but I did. Codependents don't deal directly with their feelings. And, and what that is, is they develop techniques to lie to themselves about the actions and behaviors of other people. It's like being or feeling responsible when someone's mad at you for saying no. We talked about that in people pleasing. You feel like you ruined someone's life because you said no to them. And there's a lot of ways to figure out whether you're codependent, but if, if this resonates with you, I suggest you start there looking it up, just understanding. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you. There was never anything wrong with me. I just needed to understand where I was coming from and why. You can also think about it like this. Do you nag people or even, you know, kind of speak condescendingly or critically to them? You know, you're very critical of their behaviors. It's almost taking like a parental approach. Do you become frustrated or angry when all of your efforts to help someone aren't appreciated and they don't take your advice? And most importantly, do you get easily distracted from solving your own problems and doing your own work so that you can try to fix other people's problems. Solve everyone's problems is sometimes going to make things worse, not better. Especially if they didn't ask you to solve the problem in the first place. So retracting and paying attention to me was how I was able to help people on a different level. Not making it about me. So I'm accepting people for right where they are. And listen, sometimes I fail. Just this past week. Bam, right in my face, presented with a challenge that would test everything I've learned. So long story short, a few years ago, I helped a woman get out of a, an abusive, narcissistic relationship, and I wanted to create, and here, listen to those words, I wanted to create, so I made it about me, this badass version of her, not needing a man, strong and independent, who loved herself. We became friends. We talked daily. And then about nine months later, she met a new guy. And slowly, I stopped hearing from her. I took this very personally. She canceled plans a few times. And we even sometimes went a month or so without even texting each other. As time went by, I would occasionally send her a passive-aggressive text saying, just checking in on you. And, you know, of course, in the background, it's like, haven't heard from you. And little did I know, she was living in her own private hell, along with her 17-year-old son. I knew the relationship wasn't great, and I knew that's why she kind of disconnected, but it was so much worse than I thought, ending with a restraining order to get him out of the house that she let him move into. So what do I do immediately? I think I'm going to solve a problem once again, and... I had to stop myself right then and there as I was talking to her. And it's like, no, Maria, this isn't about you saving her. She has to want this. 
So as she was telling me, I was just asking her plan, listening to it, and I let it go at the time because she had a plan. However, what I didn't know is that the ex was harassing her daily from fake social media accounts, threatening her, threatening her son, of course, belittling her like weak cowards do. But again, I'm trying to have her do the work and be in control without making it about me. And still there's part of me that wants to take over and be like, here, no, you have to do this, this, and this. Make sure you do that. And then I pull myself back and I'm like, whoa, no. This is about her wanting to heal something, not me saving her. When I say that, I mean, it really pisses me off that he's getting away with the harassment. And I want to take over and end it for her. But I can't because she seemed to be just accepting it if it was going on for two months. It was like daily torture for her. And I know for myself, when it comes to men, I'm like, oh no, you're not going to get away with that. So I'm asking myself, why, why on earth is she letting him get away with this? And she just wanted it to go away. And I get that. But in my head, I'm going, I would do this and I would do that. (laughs) There's so much ego involved. She already had a a place set up to move to. All she had to do was go sleep there. And I told her I would help her move her furniture. But she made the decision to stay where she was until it was moving day, which was over a week later. And at first I'm like, what's wrong with her? She must not be scared. Uh, He's going to come there. He he already has a restraining order against him. And, uh, you know, he's a psycho. And again, I had to accept that she is where she is and she's making her own decisions. She's a grown ass adult. And I could tell she wasn't going to leave until she was ready to leave. To me, she was choosing to take on more harassment from him and stay another week and and let this go on instead of just silencing it right then and there and getting out of there. But this is why I say you can't change people. Stop trying. You can't always make people see things from your perspective. People have reasons and you have to just accept them right where they are. I have to understand the wounds I'm licking in order to try to be there for someone. I have to also be there for myself. I have to also pull myself back and say, what's your intention here? It's not about you. Make it about her. She has to be responsible for her actions and her choices. I even tried looking at it from an abused woman's perspective, still wanting to hold on to a part of their abuser. And I I just chose to back off and let her make whatever decision it was that she wanted and just be here for her when she needed me. So this past week has showed me how much I've grown, but it also shows me that my ego is still waiting patiently, sometimes not so patiently. (laughs) Healing can't be forced. It has to be decided. And I teach personal power, so I need to recognize when it's time for me to hold on to my own energy. And I caught myself giving away my energy, worrying a lot this week, this past week, until we got her out of that house and safe. And I always want to apologize to her if I seem like I'm trying to take over or insinuate that she doesn't know the right things to do, because that's never my intention. I would hope that Somebody now would call me out on that, but it's something that I'm definitely working on on a regular basis. Very, very aware that it's there, that savior complex. 
that codependency. I have to recognize that it's hard for her to stop her own patterns, cold turkey, just like it's hard for me. So I'm here for her. I'll help her with anything she needs. But for her own healing, the only thing I can do is try to influence and then step back. She has to be responsible for her own actions and her own healing. We're always being tested to see if we learned lessons. That's why I highly encourage you to just keep understanding that you cannot change other people. You cannot fix other people and you cannot fix other people's problems. No one needs to be fixed anyway. Patterns need to be changed. We have to start looking at it in a different light. These are just patterns that we learned as a result of some sort of trauma or lack of control we had as a child, period. It all stems back to that. If this resonates with you, do your research. And now I'm going to address an email that I received about episode 17, which was the people-pleasing episode. It says, I listened to your podcast and something you said on episode 17 really hit home for me. You were talking about how people-pleasers help everyone and sometimes it's to avoid being alone. I guess I never looked at it that way, but I do avoid being alone. And when I am alone, I look to see if anyone needs anything from me. Do you have any advice on how to start enjoying my time with myself? I think this is a great question. This is challenging in the beginning, but I believe that recognizing it is the hardest part. From there, it's easier to catch yourself and coach yourself, right? Many people don't ever even get to the point of recognition. And I think being alone should be your favorite time. I enjoy being with people, but I so enjoy my alone time. Whereas, you know, my whole life, I never really did. I always avoided being with myself. And I think you should start off small by getting outside, just sitting in nature, hear the sounds all around you, feel the air, watch the leaves move in the trees, smell whatever's in the air. Concentrate on those things as if you're going to have to answer questions as to what you heard. That way you're paying attention to that and not your thoughts. And if that doesn't work, visualize your breath. Five seconds in, bring the breath into your stomach, hold it for two seconds, and then five seconds out. And keep concentrating on that breath going in and out. And you will start to relax and just be. It's hard in the beginning and we give up and we make excuses and we say, oh, the kids or... Uh, you know, other people need me. Of course, if if this uh, message is about you, then you will make every excuse not to be alone. And that's okay. It's just not okay to keep doing it. There's so many ways to just be with yourself. For some people, it's bath time. Of course, this can be hard with the kids, right? But I used to, I loved coloring, artwork. I loved doing anything creative. Some people love dancing. I love watching something educational. I developed a massive hunger to learn about conditioning patterns, behavioral tendencies, psychology in general. And you grow from there. Now I've moved on to more spiritual-based learning. But it's all progressive. It's still time alone, time for reflection. Working out, journaling, there's so many ways to start. But for me, the most important part was connecting with my inner child, laughing more, relaxing more not feeling guilty or required to go do anything that I didn't want to do. Not feeling guilty when the person who wanted me to go do something was angry with me for not doing it. I think I fell into a depression and that's actually what forced me to be alone with myself. 
I didn't want to be around other people because I didn't feel good. I was gaining weight. I just didn't feel good about myself. I didn't want to be seen even more. I didn't want to be seen. And who knows if I would have ever even noticed that I didn't enjoy being alone. It's funny what happens when our soul needs to learn lessons. And we are just a soul having a human experience here. Be kind to yourself on this journey. Thanks for listening.